0: Don't adjust your sets or your radio, or your computers or what the fuck do you even adjust in 2015. There's, there's there's nothing to adjust you anymore. There's nothing you can do about it. That's right. You, you can't even say don't don't adjust your sets or don't adjust your radio. Don't adjust the settings on your computer. <laughs> the vertical and the horizontal and the and the bits and the bytes. And... I would like, if I may
1: to take you on a very strange journey.
0: nine cents the nine cents podcast uh i am magister david harris sitting in for uh, reverend campbell and uh being joined by which heather height yeah um probably asking yourselves why it's us um hosting the show this week as opposed to uh, always
2: asking
0: why us why us? <laughs> <laughs> why us for fucking anything really <laughs> um and uh, this was actually uh, Reverend Campbell's idea, um, because I had asked him to be a part of uh, my Satanism Today segment, uh, which will be airing a little bit later on in this program. And uh, he said, well, I, he said, having me on Satanism Today would be a little bit too much of me to go around.
2: We wouldn't want too much you know, Adam. You don't want
0: too much Adam, ever. Um, and so he said, well, why don't, you guys, uh, why don't you guys host the show this week? And I was like, yeah, that's a damn fine idea.
2: Damn fine idea. Damn. My fine idea." Was- when he said uh, that we would probably do a better job
0: uh, how fucking wrong he is <laughs>
2: Apparently he's never listened to radio. yeah
0: what a shit show that was like
2: anything but you guys. <laughs> exactly <laughs> we,
0: we could get to, we could dig up a corpse and just sit him in the chair it would be better than whatever the two of us can do it's the worst
2: well i don't know there's no sound really yeah
0: exactly no, silence no. silence oh. is better <laughs> Than the horse because shit that comes out of our silence mouth. Silence is Dead? better. <laughs> I don't think that's true. You could you could put a microphone in an insane asylum and you'd probably get more coherent conversation,
2: or at least more interesting sounds.
0: Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> just, just weird schizophrenics <laughs> talking about. I, could
2: smell my cunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I myself cannot.
2: <laughs> Why are we doing that? What I don't know. What I don't know.
0: Yes exactly
2: of course the first thing you think about
0: yeah um and so this is weird for me because i'm not used to hosting a show anymore um it's been what when did we kill hate speech like 2 years ago something like
2: that yeah. i'm sure you'll just fall right back into it so.
0: yeah and it's it it feels weird because i'm i'm so people ask me why i'm not doing a weekly show anymore about anything whether it be satanism today or hate speech radio or some other weird incarnation and really the ultimate answer is that I just don't give enough of a shit about anything going on in the world around me to, to spout off about anymore. It's, I just don't thing, care.
2: The only thing you spout off about is about how much you don't give a shit about the thing that you're spouting off about on it, Facebook.
0: It Really, <laughs> I, I, look at, I look back at, at who I was years ago just full of fucking anger and rage about the world around me and as i'm as i approach 40 i realize that none of it matters a little barbara streisand i would sing it but nobody wants that no certainly not we're not
2: gonna hook up anything that no. Not that kind of production level this, this time.
0: No. Definitely not. <laughs> this is this is this is the this is the apathy show is really what it is. <laughs> 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 I suppose this is what we're going to do. I um, I'm
2: excited to do this for Adam. I, I no, I don't, don't, don't want c- him to think that We don't give a shit about
0: nine. Sense. No, I absolutely. Nine Sense has been fantastic. It's I'm certainly. It's certainly <laughs> like and like I it went like I talk about in the the segment that I do with Adam, it really did pick up the ball where I dropped it when I stopped doing Satanism today. I really just took it leaps and bounds beyond whatever I thought yeah, deemed it to be imaginable. The ball in
2: the fucking.
0: That's right. I Function heaved lot. I heaved <laughs> the ball oh <laughs> into the neighbor's yard. The dog picked it up, chewed it up. It's all it was all gross and covered in slobber and he picked
2: it up and sewed the seams back together.
0: Cleaned it up quite nice. <laughs> and uh, he actually
2: kind of improved the ball. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, so yeah, I don't want anyone to think that I don't care about knives because you know, the fact that I'm I'm doing the once a month segment on nine cents is, is fun. And it's way more
2: care than he gives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but Once a month care.
0: But to sit down and really examine the world around me, I don't care. I just don't give a shit anymore. I don't. I'm, I'm, much, I'm much more interested in making films, um, f- photographing and filming women in various states of undress.
2: Because you weren't all interested in that before.
0: Well, I was interested in doing it, but wow. I wasn't actually doing it. I am doing it now.
2: Why are you doing it?
0: because of my lovely
2: wife that's right that's
0: right my, my lovely wife who encouraged me to be the pervert that I am
2: yes you um, should embrace your core self like that is who you are deep down inside that's right deep down inside I'm
0: a piece of shit <laughs> do what you love to be successful well, I'm well. I got half of that right. I'm I'm doing what I love. Not you're quite not successful the, you're at it. Not
2: the subject of any POV uh, blowjob porn yet. Though, so no. I think that's his dream. That's the goal. That's the dream.
0: That's that's really the goal is to get my dick sucked on film. Um, <laughs> we're really just taking this whole thing to the gutter. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's horrible. It's what I do? Why do I do? that? I'm a sweet girl. No, you're not. Oh. You're a fucking piece of shit, just like your I'm husband. Not a you really are (laughs) you're a piece of shit you found a piece of shit to marry and now together we're just big and shitty
2: we're the biggest most wonderful pile of shit ever
0: (laughs) um and i i guess that's that i guess that's the takeaway from from all of this is that you know I guess the anger is out of my system. Do I, I, you know what I get angry about now? I get angry about people in traffic. That's that's the the main focus of my anger now is is people on the Belt Parkway preventing me from getting home on a, at a reasonable hour when I get out of work. That's what I'm angry about now. I not you know politics. I don't care. You know religion. You you want to worship some goofy sky daddy? Have at it. You want to believe it's... Sticks in the power of three. You know things come back at you times three is is your deal. Then you fucking have at it. I don't care. Um, it doesn't affect me in any way. Um, you you want to you, you're you're a trans person and you want to you know become a woman or you're a woman you want to become a man. Do your thing. You deserve rights. You deserve the the, the ability to do whatever it is you want to do. No, I don't get angry about these things anymore. I, I look, I, occasionally, I'll look at something and be like, well, oh, that's kind of stupid, but I don't give a shit.
2: True. I don't care. It's true. David doesn't care. I don't care. i have to protest. <laughs> <you>.
0: And that's, <laughs> that's really the state of mind we should all be striving for. We should strive for a state of mind where you look at the world around you, you see people doing their own thing, and you don't care. Because it, it doesn't affect you. Gay marriage doesn't affect non-gay people it doesn't
2: it's like uh it's kind of like when uh adam interviewed peter and it's like my favorite thing that peter said so if if things turn the wrong way and suddenly it was against the law to be a satanist or be whatever religion you want to be a satanist would find a way to maneuver through that yeah still be a satanist yeah you know
0: yeah, we just go back underground. It's what we do.
2: Fuck em. Yeah, and we'd run things covertly from yeah. behind the scenes, <laughs> which is
0: kind of what we do now.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so it it's so bombastically stupid to get so you imp- in a passionately angry about Other things pants. that don't bother you. It doesn't affect you. Ah, gay people for ruin the sanctity of marriage. No, they don't. They don't. A 50% divorce rate does, if that's, if that's what your belief structure is. How about a, 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 a one, a, a one in two marriages ending in divorce does way more to cripple the quote-unquote sanctity of marriage than, than two guys who want to get married or two girls who want to get married? They don't care. Where
2: did marriage get all this sanctity anyway? Exactly. Where'd that come from?
0: Christianity. Oh. <laughs> that's a fucking other thing. Um... Yeah, the, the Pope is here, and there's people, you know, crying about Oh, the Pope addressing Congress. And I'm a big separation of church and state guy, but who cares?
2: Well, he's also a diplomat from a country. Is mm-hmm. Vatican City its own country?
0: I know it was. I believe it still is. I'm not entirely I don't know certain why
2: it wouldn't be. But that's how I look at it. And then that country, you know, he is, he's like the leader of. That country, right? That's how that works? I'm not you know, I don't know. My Catholic-ly list, I,
0: but I'm this, pretty
2: sure that's how that works.
0: This 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 goes back to the original point.
2: The king of the Catholic country. Yeah.
0: This goes back to my original point. It doesn't affect me, so I don't care. So I don't bother to know. <laughs> <laughs> um because I'm I while I was raised Catholic, I'm obviously not a Catholic. You
2: weren't a very good one apparently.
0: Oh, I sucked at being a Catholic.
2: I was raised nothing and I'm a better <laughs> Catholic than you are. You really are. I was raised nothing and in. And I'm a Satanist,
0: and I'm a better Catholic than you were. I was the worst Catholic. I was like, "Oh wait, no!" Like, what? What do you mean? I can't do that? No, that's stupid. I'm gonna go do it anyway. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can't do the things. (laughs) We did (laughs) the things, guys. Look for that meme on the internet. It's hilarious. (laughs) It's the. I think it's called "The Bible in a Nutshell." It's, it's fucking funny. Um, so what do we got going on this week here you're on, you're on The Nine Cents?
2: Well, we have coming up, of course, we have Satanism Today with a, an interview with Adam Campbell. Yes. Addressed already. We have an, an, a segment of um, militant eroticism with the dean. Yes. And I, he told me and you what the topic was now. Right. And we forgot.
0: Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, when, we, when we record the, the introduction to that segment, we'll, we'll go back into the email yeah, that he sent know. us and, and look yeah. up what it was called, and we'll, we'll tell you what it is.
2: We have uh, whatever other nonsense we might talk about now, and then we have a, I'm doing a segment kind of with you because, you know. You were lazy, didn't no, want to write I anything. I didn't want to write a whole thing out about humor, having a sense of humor on the interwebs, and as Satanists, yes, having a sense of humor. About oneself.
3: Right. Because
0: that is something that I've, you know, I feel, I don't want to get too deep into it because that takes away from your segment, but it's. Yeah.
2: Well, we could just talk about it now and that will be the segment if you want to do that.
0: Well, we need to, we need to cleverly edit your, your introduction in. And...
2: Oh, well, let's just, we could just do it and I guess, yeah, well, okay. We'll just cleverly edit later or something, I guess. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So here it is. Something different with Heather Height. Welcome to Something Different with Heather Height on Nine Cents.
2: Apparently, you are welcoming people to my segment. I am. I ask you to join me, fucking take over. Adam, what have you done? It's kind of what I do. <laughs> what do, you do? Oh, I'm so uncomfortable hosting things. <laughs> and I just,
0: I kind of take things. I, you know, I I just, I come in and I take things over. I swept it off the ball. I swept kick it under the couch. <laughs> I, I swept into your life and took over your comedy career. Yes. <laughs> and dropped Kicked it. it Kicked it under the couch.
2: So I want to talk about having a sense of humor as a Satanist. And the thing is, it's pretty much on me. When I first met you and the first time we went out to dinner, and we went out to dinner with some people that I now know are very freaking funny people. Mm-hmm. But as a comic, just like Satanism, it's a very elitist, snobby group of people. Mm-hmm. Comics are very snobby. Okay. Yes. And so I went and and I was like, none of these people have a freaking sense of humor. Because I would say something funny and they'd all just stare at me <laughs> like I grew a bill. <laughs> like I got lobsters coming out of my ears. And, and now there's a couple elements at play here. One of them is no matter what you are or how advanced you think you are, women don't register as funny. It just when I'm funny in a crowd and they don't know I'm a comic, they look at me like, they don't – like, I'm stupid or they didn't even hear what I said. But then when they find out that I'm a comic, suddenly everything I say is hilarious mm-hmm. because they're, they're like – they're primed for it. Now, they're like, oh, okay, funny things are going to come out of her mouth. Uh-huh. And now I understand that they're funny and she's not <laughs> retarded or something and yeah. she's just making jokes. So that's an element. So – but I came out of that thinking just – Satan just didn't have a sense of meaning.
0: I think a lot of that is born out of the um – and, oh, God, I can't think of her name now. Um, Jay Moore's wife.
2: Yes, I was going to mention Jay Moore's wife.
0: Um, um, God damn it, I can't remember her name. But she she played the daughter on that show where Bobcat Gulfway played the puppet. Um, that's how she became famous. I can't, I, her name escapes me. Um, and and it sucks because she's, she's legitimately funny.
2: She's very funny. She's a brilliant writer and writes a lot of Jay Moore's stuff.
0: Yeah. And, uh, there was a famous story about, uh, her and Jay being at a party. Um, and Jay not really understanding why people don't laugh at her jokes.
2: Well, it was really like he was, she would write things for him and he'd be like, why aren't you just doing this yourself? And she's like, I'll tell you why. It's because I'm a woman. Pretty girl syndrome. Pretty girl syndrome.
0: And, uh, she's, and, there was, and she actually presented him with an example at the party. She's like, watch this. I'm gonna, we're going to go sit around with a bunch of people. I'm going to tell a joke. No one's going to laugh. Ten minutes later, I want you to tell the exact same joke and watch what happens. And sure enough, standing in a crowd of people, she cracks a joke. No one laughs. Ten minutes later, Tickets. Crickets. Ten minutes later, Jay cracks the exact same joke. Uproarious laughter. It's pretty girl syndrome.
2: I've had it happen to me on more than one occasion. Yeah. So the other in,
0: one, groups, in groups of Satanists, in it happens of Satanists. quite often. And, and, not
2: anymore now. Most Satanists know that I'm a comic, and that lends to some different level of understanding. We all have preconceived notions about people based on their gender and, you know, their age or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't fault them for that. Most of the time I make fun of you behind your back because you didn't laugh at my joke because uh-huh. you're a sexist asshole. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, I almost said that's not true, but it's true. <laughs> a lot of times I'll
0: make fun of you behind your back because your joke yeah, wasn't funny.
2: True. Actually not behind my back.
0: Yeah, to, to your face, really.
2: Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. In front of people. Yeah. <laughs> ah! You're an idiot. <laughs> um, the other element at play is... Satanists, like comets comics, another correlation, oddly enough take themselves too seriously
0: Yes, yes there are, that, that is a very much a common thread between Satanists and comedians that they take themselves entirely too seriously they think that, you know, the, the, the point that they're trying to make is so profound oh, yeah. that you think, oh, wow, I never
2: thought of it that way when
0: it's, you know, it's quite often the way a lot of people think yeah. um,
2: and most of the people that I'm friends with on Facebook. Has have been, um, they're very tolerant of me yeah. because I make fun of everything. And it's not that I disrespect their point. It's just that I see something funny about everything. And that's <laughs> the
0: hallmark of a comic: is that you you see humor in absolutely everything. Everything is funny. In fact, the more tragic something is, the funnier it can be.
2: <laughs> like the, the two lesbians learn a sign language. Because they're adopting the deaf girl. Remember that, that commercial? No. Oh, I've made you watch it with me because it was like this beautiful, touching commercial. Oh, was it? <laughs> for um, uh, Wells Fargo. Okay. And the, these, this lesbian couple, and that's supposed to be the hook at the other oh, lesbian couple. It's two women. It just shows two women learning sign language independently of each other. Uh-huh. And then they go to pick up their little girl. And they sign at her, Where are your new mommies. And, and I love this commercial. And I'm showing it to you because it's touching. And then I pretend sign language at you. But you're rug munchers. <laughs> <laughs> and I will destroy my own moment. <laughs> I will kill my own moment for the laugh. <laughs>
0: you have to. That's, what, that's, that's comedy. That's what you have. To, you have to take the seriousness out of a situation to get people to laugh and feel better about it. That's what the PC culture of this world doesn't understand.
2: Anything on Facebook with our, our posts. No. Yeah. We as well yeah. for the humor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Society is not going to be fixed because you made a comment on a Facebook post. Um, so fuck it. Just make fun of it. If people get offended, fuck them. Who cares? The pro- of course, the problem I have is you know in this day and age, if you make a you crack a joke, whether you're a comic or not, and let's say you have a day job or you're, you're you've got a or even you've advanced in your comedy career, you got a TV show, you say something that's legitimately funny, but somebody gets up there fucking dicking a knot about it, um, and then suddenly you lose your gig. That's wrong.
2: Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even talking about people getting offended, though. Yeah. Like just. Um, and, and it's not hurting anybody. This is just my observation. I'm not looking to solve any problems or change anyone's behavior either. I guess mean, yeah. this, this is just a one of those funny things that I find humorous on a daily basis that I talk to you about. Like I just had this interaction online, or I just had this email exchange, and I made this joke, and nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the biggest, um, what what is the word? I don't know. The person who does this a lot to me is actually Adam. Adam, I know. I know he's funny. Adam is hilarious in person. He is. Adam is Rain Man online. (laughs) Adam does not react to jokes. I really have to like really spoon. I am making a joke and I would like to have a humorous exchange with you now. And then Adam will joke back and forth with me about things. But at first, he's just very right to business. Like, I sent him next week's seg- segment mm-hmm. ahead of time. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> and it's about procrastination, so it was ironic on top of ironic. Right. And I did a whole, part of it is about him having to wait for my segment.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I mail it to him, and I'm like, you're, I think you're really going to like this winky face.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And he <laughs> emails me back so is this for this week or next week? Are you guys still doing the segment or like, like I'm <laughs> acknowledging like, Oh yes, that was funny. Oh, I see what you Yes, it's true. You are always late. This is so ironic. Nothing. No <laughs> No acknowledgement. I mean, it wasn't like a knee slapper, right. but it was cute. I was being cute.
0: I actually find, and this is, um, and this is really more of a statement about you. Um, <laughs> is this
2: all
0: a Yeah, it really is all a statement about you and your, your ego. Ego. <laughs> how, how fragile you actually are. Um, is that you, you, will, you will get upset more about people not reacting to your subtle humor than people not reacting to the things that are legitimately uproariously funny.
2: Well, that's because th- that I would, I would call that, this is my own thing now, Woody Allen Syndrome. Okay, because explain. Because didn't like to do stand-up because he found it too easy. Mm-hmm. And I understand, even though it's infuriating because he's friggin' brilliant. The moose bit. I understand bit. what he means because the funnier, the more people find something funny the less i respect that thing because yeah. it's hacky. not not because they find it funny but because i know why it's why they find it funny
0: and that's a that's a symptom that i see a lot of comics have and it's to their detriment it fucking kills people's it careers does people like i know that's well, you the should just of time is yeah but that's the thing you it, it's not about you just fucking buckle down blow through the easy shit Establish yourself as a comic and then do the thought provoking stuff. Look at look at early Carlin. Carlin did easy humor oh, yeah. as a young man in even, the fifties. 50-
2: even when he's older, some of his stuff is easy. Yeah. He interjects easy humor with some yeah. clever.
0: Exactly. But he took he he took twenty years of being a fucking vaudevillian kind of <laughs> kind of guy. Suit and tie guy. Suit and tie. Hey, do you ever know? Da, 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 da. I yeah. And, I, you gotta give me some credit. I giant vagina. I open
2: with. Yeah. That's an easy joke.
0: Yeah. That last set that I I about a year ago you did a set at Broadway and I recorded you and you did you did a bunch of easy shit on, on race and sex, and you got giant laughs. It's one of the best sets I've ever seen you do, and I'm glad I got it on tape. Sounds like black
2: people, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: um yeah i mean you did you did joke you, you open with giant vagina you segue into your puerto rican side piece <laughs> and, um and it's fucking hilarious yeah, and yeah to that puerto
2: rican side piece. <laughs> and it was that was a fun set. yeah it was
0: a, and and you hate it you hate it because it's all easy stuff it is. um i'll well i'll 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 actually post that video uh, to the Satanism Today Facebook page so you guys can see uh, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, but, but watch. It's, she's fucking hilarious. But, yeah, it, it's all easy. But, yeah, do easy until you become known. That Then you earn the right to be thought-provoking. You have not earned the right to be thought-provoking. For
2: the reason I am okay with giant vaginas because of the bait-and-switch. Yeah. So I think it's a clever bait-and-switch because I seem to be going into a typical, like anti-male fucking thing mm-hmm. but it, and that's what people actually see it as like oh she, oh, that joke about how men and comedy blah blah but it's not about that at all mm-hmm. it's just about, <laughs> it, it's about the bait and switch that I do mm-hmm. and that's why so I find it clever mm-hmm. so I'm okay with doing it even though it really is low-lying fruit mm-hmm.
0: you know? can, we, can we talk about something that might make it un- make a, an uncomfortable th- situation between us <laughs>
2: If you insist, Magister.
0: <laughs> and this kind of goes into this. Um, I, I openly admit that, you know, when you and I got together and I, I started working to help promote you as a, as a comic, um, I probably pushed you too hard. And you have told me that I've killed your love of comedy. And I accept that. Um, and I, I, I say that 70% of the reason that you are not more successful is my fault.
2: 70 you
0: would make it 70 I'll take 70% of the blame. Wow.
2: Here's the
0: th- a hero a show. Here's the <laughs> here's the 30% that I put completely on you. I'm gonna hate this. You're so going to hate this. <laughs> um to give you a little pretense. Um, for about a year and a half, um, there's a comedy club in the West Village, the CB's Comedy Club. Um, I was producing shows. The booker was a man named Wayne Rada good man uh well established he's
2: not a good man he, go
0: on, go on. <laughs> I like Wayne I've always liked Wayne and I till no, the day I, I like die him. I will say that Wayne is a good dude I like him it
2: doesn't make him a good person like
0: <laughs> well him. he's a, well I mean well I mean he's in comedy so I mean good person is relative oh, okay. all people in comedy <laughs> are scumbags um I like Wayne a lot yeah I just, <laughs> he's a good man yeah um <laughs> so I'm producing shows with the intention of trying to get Heather passed in his room um, like the fifth or sixth show, I get him to uh, tell me, okay, she's ready.
2: You got him too? I think it was probably my comedy.
0: Yeah, Well, the fa- yeah, but I, he would not have seen your comedy had uh, I not you, produced I the shows.
2: Meant, I thought you meant that he, you got, I see what you're going on. Yeah. You mean you got me on the show and you yeah. want him to look at me. Yes.
0: yes. Um, fifth or sixth time I, I get her up in front of him, he says, okay, she's ready. Here's my number. You gotta call me every day. Because I'm a dick. I don't answer the phone.
2: But he didn't say it that way. He said, Call me every day. I'm not going to answer and I'll probably never call you back, but call me every day anyway. And I did call him every day for probably about a week.
0: You called him once.
2: No, I thought I called him every day for like a week. No, you called so him I I was once myself and got mad at it every day for a week. Yeah. You <laughs>
0: called him once and then said, Fuck him, I'm not calling him. <laughs> And it was a year. And it was a year and a half of me promoting shows down the toilet.
2: Oh, please! it not the only reason you did that. You're trying to get in other comics pants. Oh that too. Were, like, there's a lot of this. You weren't just doing it for me. You, you're doing it for other reasons too. And you were doing your own comedy, you so don't just say that that was just down the tubes just because of that.
0: Yeah. So, but, but, but that, but it's that that desire to buck the system.
2: All right, but you know what? Here's where my instincts come to play. Is Stevie's open? No. Is he doing any fucking thing?
0: He's out booking in L.A. Am I in L.A.? No.
2: And I wouldn't be.
0: But here's, here's the reason why it's important. It, it's got nothing to do with him. It's got nothing to do with... For people that don't know, here's how you become a traveling road comic. You get passed in a room locally. All right, you got you got to impress a booker. You have to. Once you've impressed that booker and he's putting you on shows, then the onus is on you to network with the more established comics. You just got to you just got to impress one booker, and then from there you got to impress the other comics. And finally, someone says, "Hey, I got a gig in Sheboygan. You want to come open for me?" And that's how it works.
2: I've done that lots of times. I was doing that when we met.
0: Yeah, but you're not doing it now. You, you stopped doing it when we met.
2: Yeah, 70% of that reason is because of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember you said. <laughs> yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> yeah. But your, your oppositional defiance and your desire to succeed outside of the system.
2: I want to succeed because I'm funny, not because I'm sucking the right gay booker's dick. <laughs> All right?
0: <laughs> We've just said that. It's not about that.
2: Quinn It's not about that. We just, just wanted a- me to jump through hoops for him for no reason. So just fucking. And Travis wasn't calling him ever.
0: Well, well we kind of know why. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. The, um, yeah.
2: yeah. The other but, so I, you know, I just didn't respect that. The other booker that you wanted me to, to uh, suck up to was a raging alcoholic that almost made me want to go to therapy every time I worked for him because he reminded me of my father. Like, that man is a fucking cab driver. He's driving a cab. Fucking Ryerson. <laughs> so I think my instincts are pretty strong. Your,
0: your, your instincts are strong, but your calendar is not.
2: <laughs> my calendar? Your calendar is mean? kind of barren count oh well I'm just not stepping up to the right people I just didn't the the uh, the thing that you could fault me for is not taking advantage of, of the stand yeah that is the one that I will take because I know that Patrick is going to be a successful person mm-hmm. and I know that he has a foot fetish <laughs> and how I don't take full advantage of that, and, and how I'm not there all the time—that is completely my fault. Yeah. But the other fucking people, that's instincts. Hmm. I would have. That was a waste of time. To with, what's his face, and his little thing, side piece, and and the whole—it's it went under. It was. It would have done no good. And the people that I networked with there that you know I could still talk to Yamanika if I want to I could you know they're 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 all comics though all, you know they're not gonna do me I'm not gonna be going out to L A. We could go hang out with Travis if you want we could go hang out with Travis in L A. You want to go to L A.
0: Travis is oddly enough I've been following since he since he moved out of the apartment and moved to L A. He's he's working
2: yeah he's doing shit we could totally go we have an open invitation go hang out with Travis that's our that's our link hmm. that's the networking that I did true CVs. <laughs> <laughs> Travis and Yamanika both on the West Coast. <laughs>
0: that's true. All right. So what, what's the takeaway from this?
2: takeaway from this is that I have a tremendous ego. Yes. And it would help if you guys would just take, have a little more sense of humor about yourself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what it is. It's all my fault. That's... That's the takeaway. Yeah, from my segment. Exactly. It <laughs> turned into a freaking therapy session. Therapy session. Sure. Thought. And
0: with that, that was something different with Heather Knight. Yeah, that certainly was, wasn't it? I'm so not getting blown tonight. <laughs> but, Have it, but
2: you got some shitty room you're trying to run.
0: <laughs> All right. Tune in next week to see uh, to see how Heather fucking trashes me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, you already have next week's segment if you can. All right, so two. Oh, yeah, the following yeah, yeah. Following weeks will be fuck my husband. He's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: This is Island Bob, man, speaking on behalf of Ice Seedness, boy. Listen, you are so ugly, man. Put on this sigil of for me. Look at you, no. You're so sexy, now, man. Here, give it back, that one is mine, boy. I say, give it back, or am I gonna cut you, no, boy? You want your wound, then go to Ice Seedness.com and get your own, man. They got everything you need. They got starling silver pendants, rings and medallions too. They got an LED wall plaque for you, man, that you can customize for your sexy self. Whatever you need, they got that, boy. Hear me now, iSataness.com. And say it with me now, iSataness.com. The highest embodiment of satanic products, man. Go there now and get sexy.
0: Militant eroticism. Dean. Or a dean. Our den. Our de- he uh,
2: calls him a dean, uh, and I'm so hooked on a dean. Well, we met him. never
0: corrected me. Yeah. We, we, I, and I, not just you and I, but uh, everyone in our social circle calls him a dean.
2: Well, ex- except for um, Darren calls him a den. It's spelled a den.
0: It's, it is spelled a den.
2: <laughs>
0: We're just, so, just, so. We're just we freaking idiots.
2: We're our synapse, so this is a i believe it's part three of a four part series. part two part two yes part two okay um on behavior redirection and this episode in particular is does porn influence rape behavior or one's behavior towards women in general oh yeah he does some interesting uh, like this is why i enjoyed having a dean on uh naughty bits yeah well. he really does have some interesting perspectives on these things even though he ain't raping no bitches you know <laughs> <laughs> but still he can talk about things he never doesn't have anything to do with like children and just...
0: pa- parenting
4: <laughs> <laughs> so here is a
2: with militant eroticism
4: okay.
1: The top hated and the low browed. With a scarlet passion and brother gospel, I say to you, Bow in sick style, remote altars. Be not of love, but of lust. And you one, a belly full is a belly full. Expand your genital rebellion to vindicate the shrew. Let thy brothel be. Then thy moans are divine wisdom. There's no salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers a slut alone is no slut at all. This I
4: say to you, my
1: fellow eroticists. My hands are on borders. It doesn't matter who, are.
3: <sighs> Welcome to Militant Eroticism, Episode 28, on Behavior Redirection, Part 2. I am Edette Arden. Though the media doesn't concentrate on it as much, the debate over pornography causing sexual violence hasn't disappeared from the legal and psychological arena. In the late 1970s, Catherine McKinnon and Andrea Dworkin proposed an ordinance that would have outlawed pornographic images that were seen as the most degrading, and in 1982, the Barnard Conference on Sexuality. During the conference, some feminists regarded sadomasochistic sex as inseparable from patriarchal hierarchies. Other than feminists, the religious right has also expressed concern over the effects of pornography. They have theorized that it creates dissatisfaction with the real sexual experience, causes people to imitate unsavory behavior, and distracts people from pursuing monogamous relationships. Oh no. There are no studies to be cited that support any of these conclusions. Within the the various arguments bent on banning pornography, there are many sub-arguments from various groups and dot the timeline from the present back to the 1960s. I'm going to start by exploring these various factors that make up the anti-porn movement and its supporting research. The most well-known argument against pornography comes from what Lynn S. Chancer of Fordham University calls the sexism side of feminism, which is that pornography helps to cause misogyny, sexual violence, and the continuing of a patriarchal society. This type of feminism is also known as radical feminism. I must begin by admitting that there is a chasm in the feminism movement between a number of things, and here I will concentrate on the area of pornography. The side of feminism that considers pornography reinforcing misogyny and that promotes sexual violence towards women would be titled radical feminism, as I had said, and is quite active in pursuing research that supports their views. Since radical feminists makes uh, they make two major claims, which are porn, reinforces misogyny, and it promotes sexual violence, I will examine the research that supports each premise and then reveal its holes <laughs> while simultaneously pursuing research that contradicts the conclusions of the radical feminist research. Radical feminism considers that within sexuality men exercise quote, the most direct and oppressive form of power over women, women uh, meaning misogyny. Yeah. The idea on how pornography in general becomes misogyny practice can be summarized into simple imitation learning theory. Radical feminists claim that because women in pornography, even if it is in the dominant position, are there for the sole purpose of pleasing the male's sexual appetite, that the idea becomes practiced. The idea of imitating is well phrased by Robin Morgan in her now commonly used adage, ''Porn is the theory, but rape is the practice.'' There have been studies that support this conclusion in varying degrees, like in Zillman and Bryant's experiment in 1982 and 1984. Zillman and Bryant's research concluded that men, after viewing heavy doses of pornography, were more likely than women to be less supportive of gender equality and were more lenient in punishing rapists. This experiment's findings were soon challenged by Lins, Dornstein, and Penrod's 1988 findings. Lins, Dornstein, and Penrod exposed male college students to non-erotic violent films, unlike Zillman and Bryant, who exposed 36 films over four weeks to male college students and then exposed the same men to non-violent erotic films. Lins and Penrod's findings were that non-erotic violent films, when the violence was towards women, inspired less sympathy to rape victims and participants than watching erotic, non-violent films. Among the other experiments... Uh, that find validity in the belief that misogyny is created or reinforced from watching pornography are Dornstein's experiment in 1984 and Alan Emmer's, Gebhardt's, and Geary's in 1995, the latter finding that exposure to to pornography increased acceptance of rape myths, but these experiments tend to hold the same holes. In her research article, Dr. Kimberly A. Davies addresses the various issues with Zilman and Bryan's experiment. Though she, uh, though she specifically spite, uh, cites the Zilman-Bryan experiment, I feel they apply to the rest of the cited ones, in that they all are performed with the same methods or derivatives of those experimental methods. The main issue with these experiments is that they are performed in the laboratory, which creates an unreal nature, inhibiting true human behavior without the fear of reprisal. All the experiments, quote, lack punishment or social controls of any kind. Those who would question the relevance of the issue just noted should consider the Stanford experiment and its shedding of light on human behavior. In another article entitled Exploring the Connection Between Pornography and Sexual Violence by Raquel Kennedy Bergen and Kathleen A. Bogle, they perform a survey of past and recent research in the connection between porn and sexual violence. I find with many of the examples they use within the article have a profound error in defining terms, concentrate solely on men, and when studying women, they do so only on rape victims while eliciting an emotional response. Here I have to explain. In every experiment cited in the Bergen-Bogel article, the definition of pornography, sexual violence and misogyny is left to common understanding. In any research article, you have to define your terms, It does. you cannot assume. And you cannot allow someone to define a word, because people define loaded, especially loaded words, differently. In an abstract, you have to define your words, your terms. You have to tell people how you are using it, or people like me will come along and throw it back at you. What did you mean by this? Let's, let's talk about semantics. <laughs> In the Russell 1984 experiment, she asked questions to women that may be offending depending on one's personal morality, um, whether or not they were sexually abused, a question such as asked to be posed for pornographic pictures, or having been upset by someone trying to get them to enact what they had seen in a pornographic picture. These questions are they're not evidence of pornographic consumption creating misogyny. It shows pornographic consumption as perhaps a part of masculine sexuality or learning. Although it would appear as if the radical feminists have science on their side, it is easily disputed once one examines the research that contradicts the radical feminist conclusions. Kimberly Davies' article, as I noted earlier, spends a great deal of paper ferreting the problems with past research that shows a causational correlational affiliation between pornography and sexual violence. She has eight, quote, possibly, uh, possible limiting factors of experiments. Since i listed numbers one, two, and seven above, I shall list the others now. Davy cites the respondents, inhibitions while being observed or interviewed, the use of willing college students as a norm, publication of studies mainly if they have positive results, and the ethical inability to produce real violence. In her actual experiment, Davies surveys average men who are registered at adult video stores in areas around the United States, finding no causational or correlational evidence between what they viewed and their own sexual behavior. Also, among the evidence against the anti-porn movement is the Scott and Schwalm 1988 experiment, which compared the number of adult theaters with the rape statistics in over 40 areas of the United States. They found zero connection, no correlational or causational results. I should mention that the experiments just cited were performed among various ages, ethnicities, religions, and they were all male. And they all had different economic backgrounds. Unlike the research that supports a radical feminist belief, which was performed in a laboratory, and they were only on convic- uh, convicted rapists and college-age males. I feel it would be pertinent to incorporate into this episode the effects of paper, I'm just, the effects of porn on those... <laughs> who act out the behavior, and that since these actors and actresses are acting the sexual violence out, they would get the full effect, right? In an interview with Monica Mayhem on John Fain's Conversation Hour in November of 2009, she was asked a few, que- a few questions on the effect of her work on her personal life. Monica was asked by John, quote, You believe porn has an important social, uh, social function as it allows people to experience the forbidden and thereby achieve sexual uh, release that they may not safely find elsewhere. To which she answered, absolutely. I get many emails from couples thanking me for saving their marriage. They watch my movies together, lonely men who can't find sexual partners or who are disabled, and of course, the troops fighting overseas. Though Monica Mayhem isn't a psychologist, a sociologist, or certified in any science, it would seem that her opinion would be an important one. She engages in acts weekly while others watch it on a screen leisurely. Porn lobbyists and porn industry executives make up the pro-porn half of the debate, which is called the free speech argument. Monica Mayhem made claims in her interview that it is empowering to be able to express one's sexuality or, uh, or fetishes without fear of retribution. That statement is very much the main thread in the fears, uh, free speech argument. Other than pornography, is nothing more than an expression of the human animal's sexuality. If the pro-pornography side is correct in their assertion that it is simply human behavior at a raw level, that would mean our very nature is involved and to ban violent porn could have detrimental effects on those who have violent tendencies. This would also mean nurture or watching porn has nothing to do with sexual violence but your genetic predisposition to aggressiveness and libido level. Now what I just labeled your libido level would be called, if too high, the hypersexual disorder. A hypersexual disorder can be translated into basically meaning sex addiction. And it is not listed officially in the Diagnostic and Statist- uh, Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders newest edition, the number five. The symptoms of this disorder what were listed under miscellaneous diagnosis called sexual disorders not otherwise specified in the previous DSM-IV. four. is a fairly new theory out in the research world that an overgrown sexual appetite read hypersexuality, may be part of the cause of sex offending. The pursuit of that idea was a goal of Martin P. Kafka, in which he attempts to see if medication that curbs sexual appetite curves the participant's para- uh, paraphilia also. Paraphilia is pretty much a fancy way of saying fetish. Kafka's results indicate that it is an area worth researching, but because of restrictions in methodology in his experiments, his hypothesis cannot be justified enough to take it seriously, or to call it a theory. Now, a paraphilia, as defined by the DSM-IV, are sexual disorders characterized by recurrent, intense, sexually arousing fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors generally involving one, non-human objects, two, the suffering or humiliation of oneself or one's partner, or three, children or other non-consenting persons that occur over a period of six months. That'd be criteria A. The rest of the definition that is prudent to many of, to, to my use of the term involves criteria B causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. It is important to note that the DSM-5 has changed paraphilia to paraphilic, and they are associated with sexual violence and sexual criminals. Paraphilias do include voyeurism, sadomasochism, rape, pedo, and paraphilia. I'm sorry, pedo and pedophilia pedophilia. And about fifty to sixty others. The idea that these two areas of human psyche interact to create sexual violence is becoming a heavily researched area. Due to the controversy over what sexual act would be considered a mental disorder, the new debate is sparking new and very interesting research. As always, my fellow eroticists, keep your skirts up, your pants on, and no matter who bends over, we are mad and filthy fucking things.
2: Ever wonder why genies are trapped in bottles? Because they're a bunch of goddamn drunks. And like all drunks, they'll talk to anyone who will listen until somebody puts a cork back in the bottle. So... Want a little drunken genie nonsense? Then grab a bottle of whiskey and rub one out. Or tune into Nine Cents the first week of every month and catch my segment, I Dream of Jesse.
0: And that was Militant Eroticism with Aden Ardennes. It's it's so weird to say Aden. It it
2: sounds better, though.
0: It does. It does sound better. I should probably start just, I should force myself to call him Aden. It's way too difficult. For, because i for years just a dean that's what I've called him. Uh it's very strange but yeah it is what it is. Um, we never ever publicly discuss um your alter ego. My alter ego as, as
2: Heidi
0: Knights. <laughs> yes. I
2: have many personalities. Yes.
0: Dom- as Dominatrix Heidi Knights. Yeah.
2: I <laughs> yeah. like being Heidi.
0: Um obviously for those of you who you know um we we'd make some, uh, some, some pornographic films of our own. Yes. Um, important pornographic. Important pornographic films that explore um, the BDSM lifestyle. And more specifically, your desire to spank heinies.
2: And what a nice way to come off of a Dean segment. Yeah.
0: And- I, <laughs> I still can't do it.
2: <laughs> I don't think any of our porn influences...
0: No, no. Our, a lot of our porn is very, uh, a lot of femdom, yeah. which is, you know, mostly, you know, you know, female on male or female on male, uh, female, uh, female on male or female on female spanking videos. Yeah. Um, we do some smoking videos, some foot fetish stuff, some uh, forced masturbation, but it's mostly, and you know, I occasionally get in there too, we do some male on female spankings. Um, but for the most part, um, it's you uh, spanking bitches. <clears throat>
2: and, bastard. and bastards And bastards. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: when we decided to get into this um, we ultimately decided to go that route because spanking is your fetish
2: yes I actually I really enjoy spanking and it's strange and it's interesting when you have like any fetish is interesting because you don't always know where it stems from mm-hmm. or it's In the case of spanking, it's very disturbing Mm -hmm. where it stems from, because for me, I'm almost positive it was because up until third grade, there was corporal punishment in school. Uh I'm almost, even, it disturbed me so much. Third grade was the last year, and they would, the kid had to go down to the, the principal's office and get this, like, fiberglass and wood paddle. Ooh. Right? And then bring it back up and bend over in front of the class and get paddled. And I never even looked. I would put my head down on the desk. That's how weird it is. Wow. But it's the only real exposure that I had to. Spanking.
0: You weren't, like, I, because I know we've, this we've talked about in the past. You, you experienced corporal punishment in your own childhood.
2: But it wasn't the same. It was, I experienced erratic, um, disorganized beatings <laughs> any exact target uh-huh. um, you know that was totally they, and maybe it's structure it's mm. the structure of it that does it for me uh-huh. and why that would manifest as a sexual arousal thing I have no idea but there's something that has something to do with, with structure and with definite consequences mm-hmm. like for some reason that's sexualized for me oh,
0: I, I think that's common I think that is more common than, than people would expect. I think that's a way that people tend to deal with trauma is they tend to fetishize it and sexualize it as a, as a means of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, I have, and, and this sucks for anybody I've, I've been involved in a relationship with, um, except you, because we've managed to, to work through it and do, doing the open relationship thing. Um, I have a gigantic infidelity fetish. Um There's there's nothing better in my head than a cheat nut. Yeah.
2: Um, We've discussed
0: the cheat nut. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about the cheat nut. um, And for people who for people who enjoy or who have a a thing for doing something that's so naughty, you know, the infidelity thing, um, there's no better nut than a cheat nut. Um,
2: (laughs) I like roasted cheat nuts. I like honey almond cheat nuts <laughs> <laughs>
0: with a little wasabi. It's delicious. Um, like the spicy
2: with the Yeah, meat.
0: and uh, I, I think a lot of that stems from you know in my earl- being cheated on myself in my early relationships, um, and I sexualized, and I se- I sexualized it, um, and it and it's weird because it. it I, for me, it never went to like, because you hear about cuckolds, you know, people who just want to be, you hear that, you know, the the guy that their mate is fucking is, is better than them. It's not about that for me. It, for me, it's about just being, th- bad. being bad. And the, uh, my mate enjoying herself sexually in any way that she sees fit. And for me to enjoy myself sexually in any way that I see fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so that that's where it goes for me um but that's interesting that as far as spanking goes uh that your your only exposure to it was was traumatic but but it makes sense that you know as a method of dealing with trauma that we we sexualize trauma you hear so many you know so many rape victims who then develop rape fetishes um it's, it's a it's a coping mechanism yeah um and there's there's it can be argued that that either is or is not healthy. <clears throat> I think, I think it's healthy. If
2: it happens so naturally, yeah, then it must be healthy. It yeah. must be ha- like a, a healthy direction for the brain to go. It's less traumatic. If, yeah. And sexualizing something gives you power over it. Yeah. So definitely, I think it would be a healthy thing. Yeah. How could, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I interviewed a, a comedian um, she, she's open about this now so I can say her name Caitlin Bailey um, <clears throat> for my next piece in Penthouse Forum um, as, a, as a teenage girl uh, she started her own escort business um, and for her it was all about the fantasy of being a high priced call girl somebody wanting to be with her so badly that they were willing to pay obscene amounts of money to, to have her um. And she discussed that being, you know, sort of being key to female sexuality. Women like to be desired, yeah. and I, th- I think that's. I think that stretches across, you know, to to men as well. I certainly en- enjoy being desired. Um, and so, humans yeah, human humans basically enjoy being desired, and you, know, you, you can you can develop a fetish for that.
2: The thing that um like people view being a prostitute as being demeaning to women but obviously she didn't find it demeaning she found it empowering yeah the uh, the thing that keeps me from sessioning with people for money mm-hmm. is stories and, and experiences that I've seen when I used to be Julie's personal assistant mm-hmm. where these men would come in to be abused and then had to get some little inkling of their fucking manhood back at the end and say something demeaning to her and I was like I would never have clients i it keeps me from getting them yeah because you know the first guy that says that i'm gonna punch him in the face yeah and the second guy who says that i'm gonna punch him in the face <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just not gonna and and i will never take their calls again yeah and then it'll be just like me with the fucking with comedy, <laughs> with the comedy. It's like fuck this
0: i'm not calling back. No, fuck him back and that and that's a
2: regain your fucking manhood go do it go abuse your wife or take it out on a clerk somewhere i don't fucking you come to me to be abused
0: yeah and that that's and that's a shame thing that's that's society shaming those men into thinking that they are somehow less of a man for enjoying being abused by women yeah and that's a bunch of bullshit it's whatever makes you come makes you come it doesn't make you less of a human being it has really nothing to do with your identity as a man or a woman it's just what gets your rocks off
2: yeah that's that's the only healthy thing about the uh the guy in wolf of wall street Uh is he goes to a dom Uh and he just is doing it because he's a freaking sex addict and experience junkie and he yep. doesn't have any shame about it whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda of, it's
0: kind of what drives me sexually. It's just yeah. like, okay, let's give this a shot. Yeah, see if I'm into this.
2: Anything. You're up
0: for anything kind yeah, of, I'm, I'm a down for whatever kind of person. Yeah. Um, I like that about you. Yeah. I'm like, I'll try it. If I like it, I'll keep doing it. If I don't, okay. I gave it a shot. Didn't like it. That's just kind of how it is. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And with that um i have no idea how or why this would segue into satanism today um but that's how we're going to do this (laughs) um my interview with adam campbell the regular host of this program here on the nine cents podcast here is satanism today by the mad creator of this fine show. Um, when I stopped doing Satanism Today uh, back in, uh, I think it was, I finally gave it up in 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, I, I Apparently, unbeknownst to me, I left some kind of void. And uh, this gentleman picked up the ball and ran with it in a way that I never even perceived as possible. And uh, he definitely has picked up and continued what he now refers to, and I think it's very apropos, as the greater satanic conversation. I would like to welcome to the show, Reverend Adam Campbell. Adam, welcome to Satanism.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, David. I, this is exciting for me, being on the other side of this, <laughs> normally listening to these as you've recorded them and, and releasing them. And uh, then, of course, you know, before Nine Cents, listening to the show itself. It's uh, It's pretty damn cool being able to talk to you in this way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this. Now, I suppose the first question is, how much of an influence am I on your life?
1: <laughs> well, um, after having buddy. groomed my pubes after, after yours, I would say, um, for my sex life, pretty big. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Pube grooming is something I've espoused for some time, and it's something that not enough people do. Um, whether you whether you go completely wood floor or if you just buzz yeah. it down a little bit, you know, with little stubblies, because, you know, sometimes a girl likes that, or a guy, yeah. that's what you're into. Yeah. And uh, you, it, it, you really need to con- you communicate with your significant other as to the best pube style for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I always find it... Um... The most dangerous when you either first start it or it's been a while and you have to go back. I, it's like uh, Michael Douglas in Romancing the Stone when he's hacking through the jungle with <laughs> the girl at his heels. That's kind of how I take to uh, manscaping. Uh, I'm, I, I,
0: I'm just pleased with the Romancing the Stone reference. I haven't thought about that movie in 20 years.
1: <laughs> I love that show so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great
0: film. Um, so I guess let's let's start because um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you've become so synonymous with the Nine Cents podcast. And I think uh, I think not too many folks know who you are outside of that. Um, so let's let's get to know Adam Campbell. What is your backstory, brother? Where did you let's start with how where you were at when you when you first discovered Satanism?
1: All right. Um, uh, let's see. I was in uh, high school. So this was 94 ish. Uh, well, OK, so I first heard about the Satanic Bible. A buddy of mine I, this is middle school, like a long time ago. We we were uh, assigned a religious paper, like an essay on a religion. Uh, a buddy of mine said his brother had the Satanic Bible, which at the time, you know, I'm coming from a position of I was raised in a Mormon household. So there is something uh, there is a devil. There are magical spells and and demons and curses. And, and so I, you know. When someone says, hey, I've got a Satanic Bible, you can get that and do your paper on that. That's that's all it was like from that moment on. I was obsessed with the idea of the Satanic Bible, especially when he didn't come through and he was afraid to bring it to the school. So I I sort of uh, just marinated in the thought of the Satanic Bible up until the point I actually got off my ass and bought one myself. And so, again, this was uh, a junior high school or something like that. Um, so you were, and well let, let's let's take a step back now. You were raised Mormon. <laughs> yeah So I, I say I was raised in a Mormon household because um, as soon as when you're eight, you're supposed to be baptized into the Mormon faith as a kid. Um, as soon as I was baptized, I immediately became disillusioned with the idea of um, the structure of the church, the ideas of the church, and you know, to my parents' credit, they were really cool with just letting me stay home and watch Willow while they <laughs> would go and uh, you know do their church thing. And I just I I wanted nothing to do with it, and they were okay with it. So I never self-identified as a Mormon. Um, And even though I didn't officially remove my name until years later from their uh, membership roster, uh, I just, I, you know, they were Mormon and there was always a clear separation that I was completely okay with.
0: Um, What were the what were the biggest, um, I suppose, what were the biggest dissonances in your head between yourself and the Mormon faith?
1: Um. You know, at at that age, it really came down to the idea of sitting in these groups with your peers, talking about uh, sort of fantasy book. Um, I, you know, I was again, you know, I, I watched a lot of Willow as a young man. I loved the idea of fantasy, so I didn't see a separation between the fantasy that they were talking about, you know, trying to live your life after, and the fantasy that I was reading and seeing on the on the big screen. So. I just chose the one that I liked more. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it meant to.
0: Um, and so now you're now you're 12 years old, you're middle school. Um, your friend, you know, was mentioning the Satanic Bible to you. You became obsessed with the idea, and especially now he has not delivered on the notion of uh, mm. bringing you the Satanic Bible. When did you first finally go out and get one yourself?
1: So, uh, this was, I was a junior uh, in high school, so it was many, many years later, but, um, it was, uh, many, many, it was a handful of years later. It was, it was liberating because it, it did a couple things for me. I I was always a bit of an outcast. Um, and this actually may be another reason why I became disillusioned with the Mormon church is that, um, it's almost like they, they can smell difference on someone. They can smell that you're not part of their herd, um, And even, you know, as a kid, all you want to do is get along. All you want to do is be a part of the group. at least, you know, I was always taught that's what you were supposed to do. And so that's what I wanted to do. And I was never accepted. I never really fully understood it. Um, why i later come to terms with, well, you know, I was just different. And maybe it's because they could smell Satanism on me or they could smell the, you know, the difference in me, uh, in, in my ideas, and the way I presented myself. So I was always an outsider. Um, and what's carrying around the satanic bible and reading it, it did was it provided me with the thought that i'd never had before that that was okay being the outsider and i didn't have to fit in i could just be me and that was fucking amazing
0: and now as you read it what was your first impression
1: i didn't <laughs> i'm <laughs> this is gonna be embarrassing i didn't fully understand it the first time i read it i read it and i applied all of the things that i was Told it was about. And so there were a good three, four-ish years um, before it really sunk in. So I had to read it maybe four or five times before I finally got it. Um, and so there was a lot of time in there, you know, the first phase Adam raging against the, the Christian machine, uh, really telling lies about what Satanism was and how how I perceived it. Through the lens of of the Mormon faith, it was it was fucked up.
0: And so, at some point, I'm I'm assuming that you, you went back and re- revisited the Satanic Bible, and you came to have more of a, of a more correct understanding of what Satanism was.
1: Yeah, it took um, me reading the um, um, the Devil's Notebook a number of times, and then going back and reading the Satanic Bible, and that's when it finally sunk. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, so I gotta go. I was like an alcoholic, going to all the people I've offended in the past. Except, I'm going to all the people that I told incorrect information about Satanism to. I'm like, okay, like this is what I told you, it's not true. This is what it was. Just want to clear it up. You can still hate me. Just want you to understand what I was saying was wrong. I just want you to hate me for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna hate me, it might as well be for a good reason. <laughs>
0: really. I was. I had a. I had a similar experience when I my. I didn't exactly come out to my parents, quote-unquote, about my Satanism. Um, I had uh, I just separated from my first wife, and uh, I you know, moved back you know, home for six months because I was you know, a fucking delusional idiot. And I'm like, oh, you can keep the house. It's fine. Um, <laughs> oh, no. What fucking idiot I am. Um, and I had a bunch of the uh, the, the original pressing of um, this, the first 12 episodes of Satanism today that uh, Kevin Slaughter had put out. Um, yeah. I just, you know basically the, the back stock that he had left over. I had a few of them left. And my mother went snooping around this my fucking shit because she's a nosy Catholic. It's like, <laughs> she listened to it and was horrified. And, but I to her credit, she understood what Satanism was. And she said to me, when i thought i this is worse i when i thought you were a devil worshipper i at least thought i could somehow bring you back to to god and jesus but you don't <laughs> believe in anything i'm like oh no i believe in me <laughs> i believe that i'm god that that is something <laughs> yeah that's something i i have a deity and it's who i see in the mirror every day
1: um so that's <laughs> weird seeing your deity's penis though exactly <laughs>
0: first that's right it's like no no no. deity should have an average sized penis it should just be some fucking large dong every, every deity should so, and so yeah well, I, I sometimes call in a question my own godhood um, <laughs> um so now let's get into a uh, Let's get into radio. Um, obviously, did, did you did you have an interest in radio beyond just uh, doing Nine Cents? Was were, was radio part of your your background? Were you bitten by the radio bug?
1: Man. Honestly, no, no. I I've had uh, zero interest. Even <laughs> even four and a half years in, I don't really. <laughs> have an interest in doing this. Um, I it's a constant battle of me thinking, where should I spend my time? Where am I most productive? And and why am I doing what I'm doing, uh, spending all the time that I'm doing, you know, the, with this, this radio show, this podcast? Um, no, I it, honestly, it came down to a point where, again, I'm, I've, I've never really had a bunch of friends and stuff. And so uh, the people that I do have, I hold really close and I'm you know I'm just have really powerful friends just not many of them um, powerful friendships so I had a, a bunch of them just left my area and so I never really hung out with them and I was just sort of doing nothing uh, so I thought you know what what better way for me to stay in touch with my friends than to produce this little radio show and they can tune in and they can hear and me and and uh, I can get feedback from them and, and it would it would create an opportunity for a back and forth that without it I wouldn't have had it I never went into this thinking um I would have listeners caring about what I said or a perspective I gave um Never, never imagined that. But I, you know, and here's the reality of it. I saw that there wasn't a satanic personality at that moment. I had a lack of uh, connection with people. And I thought this would be a great way of doing that. I can sort of, you know, kill two birds with one stone, uh, so to speak. Um, And it just happened to work out. I don't know.
0: And so was was the original notion of you podcasting to, to podcast about Satanism?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's always been, you know, whenever you go through life, you you run through a number of things you're interested in. Uh, every once in a while, one of those things you're interested in uh, becomes a compulsion or a bit of a passion of yours. Um, don't really want to go so far as to call it a compulsion. But because I've always, you know, I, coming from a position of, of uh, being told I have to fit in. And never being able to, no matter how hard I tried. Uh, I discovered this thing that says, you don't have to fit in. You can be you. I I championed it. I loved it. I it, it was everything that was good about who I was before I realized some other parts of me, you know, before I unlocked uh, more about who who I am as an individual. Mm-hmm. So it was my first passion. Uh, and, and so when I thought, hey, I'm going to do a podcast, it just there's nothing else I could do a podcast on there. Oh, the only thing is Satanism. And I felt like, you know, there's a vacuum I can keep in contact with people. I can maybe, you know, clear up a misconception uh, and then just in the process, share a little bit of who I am with whomever may be listening.
0: One of the reasons that I, I, I cite this is really is the, that there's the primary reason for me discontinuing Satanism Today for a time was that it was rapidly becoming less and less about Satanism, and it was becoming more and more the Dave Harris show, Um, Mm. which I was going to do the Dave Harris show, I would just do the Dave Harris show and not piss all over the legacy of Satanism Today by just making it exclusively about my thoughts and opinions. Um, I think one of the great things about Nine Sense that has allowed you to go on and prevent that from happening to you is the addition of additional personnel. Now, was that your original intention as well, or did it sort of
1: evolve into that? So I think, you know, the way, the way it, it, it happened is, um, Aaron Casavaugh was introduced to nine cents, um, by a friend of hers. And, she reached out to me and told me how much she enjoyed it and you know just we started a friendship from that Um, I saw that she was posting a whole bunch of uh, blues tunes to uh, her Facebook page and I thought you know what every week I am struggling to find content Um, on a weekly basis it's really really fucking hard without help so I just thought, hey, why don't I just have – invite her and I love the blues. She's, a, She too loves the blues. I could at once provide something else I'm interested in – share something else I'm interested in but it wouldn't have to be me doing it and that would free, I thought – I was wrong. <laughs> it would free me up from having to put so much time into this podcast, <laughs> uh, but that never happens. You then have to edit everyone else's stuff, including yours. So <laughs> it's not a simple thing, people. <laughs> um, so she was amazing and totally down for it, and she did an amazing job. And I thought, you know, if I could get more people on board, and and, and here's the thing. I don't just want people to come speak on the podcast. I want them to have a perspective. I want them to have something valuable to offer. And if I could then put a little bit of the burden on other people, it would ease it off of me. Again, I was wrong. It doesn't. <laughs> but I thought it did even though I'm, I'm stupid is really what I'm saying. <laughs> um, Good, no idea. Good idea. Good idea in theory.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, I, I reached out to other people and just – it just – and here's the thing. I never planned on searching for someone. I just heard voices and I thought, that is something that's good. Oh, fucking hell, that is something that's good. Um, uh, Jessie is amazing. I, just, I was on Letters to the Devil one day and I saw a post she made and I was like, Shh, this is so different than anything I would have thought of. It's so different than the other things that I've heard other people say. It's a satanic, drenched idea this is perfect for nine cents. And so I reached out to her. She was awesome with it. Uh, Darren, um, I took a visit to the black house a couple of years ago and I met Darren in person for the first time we had corresponded and I interviewed him on the show in the past. And he had told me about his agent provocateur that he did for a a paper. And I thought, well, you're not doing that. How about, you know, you, join me on this nine cents thing and we'll just do it here. And he was so amazing. He was a little wary at first, not sure if his opinions would be welcomed because they can be, uh, for some people really, really, um, difficult to, to hear. I loved it. I absolutely adored it. And so I don't, I'm, I know I have I have offended people with the personalities that I have brought to Nine Cents because they've told me. Yeah. I, I get people saying they will not tune in anymore unless I get rid of X. And fuck them because I love X. I, I the people that are a part of this show, it is because of what they have done and they have said removed from Nine Cents that's the reason I pulled them to nine cents. Right. And that's, that's the
0: old adage in entertainment. If you're offending somebody, you're doing something right. Uh, yeah. Because because it, it, in essence, that's what talk radio is supposed to be. It's what talk podcasting is supposed to be. It's supposed to inspire thought and discussion and present an idea that may be incongruent to your own so that you can sit there and have an, a different perspective and see how somebody else sees the world for a fucking change and not be so narrow in your worldview. Um it's important to be open to other perspectives, even if you don't agree with them, because if anything else, it helps you to pick apart the argument. You can't, Mm. you can't pick apart an argument if you don't know what the argument is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, when I, when I would listen to, to your show and you actually did it live. And so that, that's much more challenging than what I do. I edit everything. Um, though I don't edit as much as I probably should. Uh, so I, you know, I would tune into you when I was home, when I could catch the show, uh, when it was going live, and you know, some of the ideas I didn't agree with. I was like, wow, I, I, I hear a lot of Satanists, you know, sharing ideas that I don't agree with. This is what's fucking amazing about Satanism, is that we are still Satanists. We, there are so many different types of people under this one tent that have so many dramatically different ideas, and yet we all have this common thread running through us, Satan. And it is, it it, it, it just inspired me hearing what you were doing and not agreeing with all of it, but loving every second of it, you know? that. That's what was great about it. And so I'm I'm sure many, if not all the people listening to, to what I do, disagree with what I say. But hopefully they're picking up the same thing. You know, they just love the discussion. They don't necessarily agree with whatever.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's you're right. That is the beauty of this thing of ours. We can come from very different places, have very different perspectives on what works for us as individuals. And it can can potentially, as long as A, it it adheres to the basic tenets of Satanism, and B doesn't, you know, harm anybody else, which is, you know, technically tied to A, um, Mm. it can all be considered Satanic to the individual. And... I've, I've spoken with Satanists that are hardcore libertarians, I've spoken to Satanists who consider themselves to be communists, every political spectrum in between, and every single one of them has managed to convince me that their particular perspective works for them within the construct of Satanism. It. it's there. It's all there and it's all encompassing and there does not have to be one worldview for there to be a satanic worldview. The satanic worldview really does encompass all worldviews because we are nothing more than a loosely associated cabal of individuals who have individual needs.
1: Yeah. it's, It's amazing because from the outside, the uninformed, the ignorant, they see something like Satanism and they say, they think, you have to think this way in order to be a Satanist. You know, you have this image in your head. This is what a Satanist is. This is what they look like. This is how they talk. This is how they act. And then you get exposed to other Satanists. And and the reality is, is it's exact opposite. If we were all fucking lockstep, goose stepping down the hall, it would not be Satanic. (laughs) Like you, you cannot be herd-conformed and be a Satanist. You just cannot.
0: Exactly, and that there, there is, and 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 we'll get to we'll get to your uh, the segment that you did on online since uh, when this airs, it will have been two weeks ago, um, as we're recording it, it's last week, um, about uh, which ultimately does tie into the notion of herd conformity, um, and that is uh, <laughs> uh, I. I Broke your balls about it when my it first he's <laughs> <laughs> like hey, on the phone with a uh, satanic priest and reputed animal abuser Adam Campbell <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah I, uh, it, it was funny because I saw your status update on Facebook and I was like he's like hey, if you're an animals above people person you're gonna be offended by my segment on nine sins and I'm like oh, okay well I'll, I'll be offended that's fine because um, because <laughs> people as far as I'm concerned um, but uh, I listened to it and I was like, well, he's talking about self-preservation. He's talking. It's it, it's right in the rules of the earth. Do not harm animals unless you're you're being threatened. It's it, it, he, he's accounting for that, and he's just that's what he's discussing. He's discussing self-preservation. If you're being charged by a fucking rhino, you shoot the rhino between the <laughs> eyes. It's just what you do. It's him yeah. or you. Um, you know, like I said, fuck people, but as an individual, obviously you don't want to fuck yourself at the expense of some fucking creature. I, yeah, that's completely acceptable, in my opinion. Um, we do differ on the, you know, bop your dog on the nose of the newspaper perspective, but I don't see that as overtly harmful. I just personally think there's a different way to go about it. But again, I, it's not, you're not beating the shit out of your dog. Mm-hmm. You you you're bopping him on the nose to correct him. It's you know I, I don't do it. I think there's another way, but it's not. You're not harming the animal. You're you're giving a mild correction. It's the same as swatting your kid on the butt when he's being bad. It's there's no difference in my opinion. It's just not. It's not something I would do, but I don't I don't fault people that do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean a lot of this, you know when you. you When you're running a show that is supposed to entertain and inform, you know this, just for the benefit of the audience, uh, you sometimes need to have manufactured excitement about things. Uh, Sometimes you need to um, overact in order to make it interesting. Uh, You can't just say, uh, hey, I'm gonna talk about animals, I love my dog, and have people want to listen. You have to, at some point, make it exciting. Um, the reality is, is I was raised where, in a family, where getting spanked with a belt was a thing. I was raised where getting hit with a wooden spoon was a thing. If you acted out, you were punished. Uh, corporal punishment. Um, I was raised in a household where if my dog peed on the the carpet, my mom would smack him or kick him. Um, and so... Coming from that place, you know, I've weaned myself, I've I've raised two children, and we do not strike our kids. Um, The only time I've ever lifted a hand to my dogs, and I've always had dogs my entire life, I love them to death is when they do something, in my opinion, egregious. Uh, you poop on my fucking floor, I will rub your nose in it and I will smack you on the nose. Of course, before you, I don't wanna get shit on my hand. Um, yeah, or I'll smack him on the ass or something like that. You know, it, it's, it's how I was raised and animals react to it and they learn from it. And again, we live in a much different time now where people think and Maybe they're right. I don't know that that's animal abuse or child abuse to spank your kid, though legally in my state it's not uh, to spank a kid. I just choose not to because I love my kids and I wouldn't want to physically hurt them. Yeah. Uh, I love my dogs. But, again, I make a distinction. You know, I recognize human beings are animals, sometimes better, more often worse. But uh, human beings have a sense of of, of presence, of mind, of, of thought and, and – behavior that I personally believe is different than the animal kingdom. Um, And so when speaking to an animal, I speak in their terms. If I want to intimidate a dog, then I stare in their eyes and I get to their level and I slowly, aggressively move forward. uh, This is weird. I'm a growler. I I know how that sounds. When I get angry, I just, I don't know why. I just it. It's just this weird thing about me. Um, and then I do, the, I do that for the dog and they react because that is how they are used to doing it genetically. That's just how I behave. And so, you know, when I speak you know about my neighbor's dog whining or yapping and I, you know, make a post, man, someone should beat that dog. And then I get a reaction that is like, someone should hit you with a sledgehammer. It's some fucking idiot online. Well, you're a fucking idiot. Like I, I have a hard time... I don't really have a good filter, is I think what it comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> if if I see people uh, acting stupidly, I will point at them and say, You are stupid. It's gotten me in trouble in social media and so I've pulled out of social media. I can't stand looking at people doing and saying stupid things. And so now I only react to it when they come to my house and act stupid. Um, this In this case, this person came to my house and acted stupid, so I had to make this episode uh, around that idea. Mm-hmm. I wrapped it around the idea of self-preservation because that's an uh, – and I don't – I have to take a couple steps back. I d- – I prepare for the show in that I think about what I want to talk about and I make notes. I don't write down essays about what I'm going to say or where my thought or the train of thought is going to go. I like to freeform, yeah. and so that means sometimes I don't fully uh, realize my my ideas, which is bad, and I shouldn't do it, but it's what I do. Um, and so I don't know if that episode necessarily hit home where I wanted it hit. Um, but again, we're at time constraints. We're at uh, participation constraints. You know, my, my idea of bringing up the self-preservation aspect was that animals are reacting as animals. You need to react in that way. So speak to people, and this is Lesser Magic 101. Speak to people in the way that they expect you to speak to them. You cannot sit there and look at a dog and say, that was a bad idea how about you change your behavior? They're a fucking dog, so I speak to dogs in the way that they understand. Um, I didn't hit my neighbor's dog. I just closed the window and ignored him. But it was enough that it bothered me that I thought it would be an interesting discussion. Right.
0: Getting back to the growling thing, how long have you been a werewolf?
1: <laughs> I've always loved that so much. No, you know here, I don't. It's just always like always as a kid. Like I, I would. I mentioned this in the last uh, episode. I. I would sleep in the doghouse with my dog. I have always just, I think Satanism has something to do with it too, <laughs> because as soon as I read you be you and uh, you're an animal, I was like, it's, it's, I'm in, all in, I, yeah. I am an animal. And so I'm going to act as I naturally want to. And that means sometimes I growl, which in turn, as a parent, means sometimes my kids growl, which is fucking weird. But
0: Does does your wife get mad when you shit in the yard? <laughs>
1: hits me with the newspaper. As <laughs> she should. rubs my nose in it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: let's, let me, let me ask you this. I mean, not, in, you've become synonymous with nine cents. Um, I guess this is a two part question. Um, a, where do you see, do you see it continuing to grow? And B, do you see yourself, um, expanding upon the greater satanic conversation, um, beyond the nine cents podcast itself into other things like say, writing uh, or music filmmaking or any other interest you may have or any other hobby
1: so I've, I've got a lot of um, I, I was just raised with the idea that that I'm an artist and as an artist you don't confine yourself to one medium over another and you want to explore and you want to you know have fun um, I've always loved singing uh, I've always loved and, and so I, I sort of have a side project which I never fully realized Black House Blues um, where it's just you know, compilations of singing and music and, uh, uh, I've written a children's story. I've, um, written, not yet published another one. Um, and so I'm, I'm always writing. I'm always drawing. I, I, I'm a graphic designer by trade. And just part of that is sketching and drawing a lot. I just submitted and was accepted into the devil's rain gallery, um, that Megus Gilmore is curating in December. Um, and so I, I try to do everything at once. I just recently got into video. I, during, I have a homebrew blog called Wart Nation, which I'm, I'm an avid homebrewer. It's something I do every single weekend or every other weekend, but there's always something uh, in my life that's uh, uh, related to that. And so I started making videos for that. And so I started getting into video production and sound design. And so everything that I do sort of spirals. Um, into different mediums that i never really had an interest in before and it all of it together makes in my opinion production and entertainment of nine cents better but after nine cents again i've said this a lot i will not be i will not be producing nine cents after nine years um we're at four and a half now just over four and a half now um I, I know Darren has talked to me about, well, what if someone else picked up the mantle? I would have to really trust that that person would take it in a good way, but I'm open to it. Um, the thing is, is, you know, you start something as, and especially for me, as um, I, I I, don't like seeing my babies fucked with. You know, if, if I create something, I want to own it and I want it to be a representation of in some way me and so if someone else is going to take up the mantle i have to make sure it's going to be in a good way so after nine cents i uh, you know maybe i'll finally finish my musical project maybe i'll finally uh, get back into um, my homebrewing uh, video series and uh, i'll finish these children's books that i've written i just haven't finished the artwork for it you know there's a lot to do <laughs> it's just a constant.
0: It is the, the old adage that life is so short because there's so much shit you want to try and so many things you want to do and so many things we're interested in. Because if for me, Satanists are probably the most... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess simultaneously grounded yet inspired by the world around us. We're, you know, we're, we, we find things wondrous, but we're not like completely intimidated so much so that we're not afraid to try shit.
1: Um, Uh, Yeah, I think a lot of I think the majority of uh, the, the Satanists that I've met could very easily fall into that Renaissance personality type. They're inspired by what's around them. They're inspired by nature. They they're not afraid of stopping and looking at something. And then taking a step to the side and seeing it at a different angle and then using that insight to apply it to something else that they're into, whether it's music or, or writing or just literature in general, reading. We, we have an overabundance of passion, uh, maybe to our detriment at times. But exercising that passion, that demon of passion is something that we are really good at. That is very true. Um...
0: I I suppose it's probably a good place to end.
1: Um, Adam, thank you
0: very much for coming on the show.
1: Um, It's your show. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on your own show. <laughs> well, that's why. I, yeah, I thought it was. So, I, I, I would love this opportunity, of course. And then I was like, but I don't want to host the show too. So I'm I'm very glad that that you took on that mantle for yeah, me. Of so thank I, you I, very I, much.
0: Yeah, I figured if, you know. Takes. We'll give you a week off. You, you've you've earned it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Satan knows I took many weeks off when I was doing. <laughs> I was doing yeah. I would take months off. Yeah, I don't feel like doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um it, but now uh, before we go besides 9 cents is there anything else you would like to uh to push or promote
1: Um yeah I would I would like everyone to take a second and look at all of the contributors to 9 Cents and really look at their projects. You, David, have put out a a number of videos recently that are fantastic and worth looking into for people who haven't yet. Um, All the other contributors, they have personal passions and projects that they work on, and the only reason why I, I dragged them to 9 Cents is because they are incredibly talented, smart, and passionate people, and they have something significant to offer. And if you're just experiencing them in Nine Cents, you are missing out on who and what they really are. There is so much more richness to these personalities. Um, This is Satanism in a microcosm. So do yourselves a favor and check out what David's doing. Check, check out what Aaron and Darren and Aden and Jesse and um, – I, I don't want to offend anyone by not saying everyone. But y- you, check you, out the you, nine specific contributors because they are fantastic. <laughs> you forgot my wife. Fuck Heather. Oh, how could I forget Heather? I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Now I got to say everyone. Uh, we just <laughs> Run through uh, again. Uh, Reverend Merciless and the – yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> – all right,
0: Adam, thank you very much for being on the show, and uh, hail Satan.
1: My pleasure. Hail Satan.
0: And that's going to do it for Nine Cents this That'd week. Yeah, I enjoyed this. I want to thank uh, Adam Campbell for letting us uh, guest host this week. This was a blast. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, let's get some plugs out. <clears throat> First, uh, our own plugs. Um, we talked earlier about the, uh, the adult films that we make. You can see those films at uh, HeidiKnights.com, H-E-I-D-E-E n y t e s dot com, or you can go to our clips for sale store, clips the number four sale dot com slash seven two three one three. Buy them, love them, jerk off to them. They're fucking awesome. Um, let's see what else Do you uh you got at least one gig coming up. You you're working for Evan.
2: Oh, that's in December. I have two things in December. Um, I'm doing uh, paid or pain.
0: Yes, you've actually been booked as a dominatrix. <laughs> I
2: was booked as a dominatrix. On a comedy, a
0: comedy show. show. <laughs> Worlds collide. So,
2: Pain or Pain, you can find them on um, Facebook. And I'm not sure when their next show is, but I know it's in December, and I'll be posting things about that on my Yeah.
0: Yeah. The next the next paid for pain show in the city is actually going to be October the day before Halloween, October 30th. Uh, Comedian Jane Nog and the uh, the lovely Lisa Ann are the hosts of that show. And then you're doing the one in December at Mohican Sun Casino.
4: Yes.
0: Um, If you like to learn more about the Church of Satan, its beliefs, its tenets, its philosophies and its practices, you can log on to www.churchofsatan.com. You can also pick up a copy of The Satanic Bible by Dr. Anton Zandor-Levay, uh, available at fine bookstores everywhere, amazon.com, and anywhere you can pick up uh, pick up books. It's a $9 Avon paperback. Buy it, read it, you might learn something. And of course, Satanic Scriptures by our current high priest, uh, Peter H. Gilmore, also available, uh, amazon.com, as well many other fine uh, book outlets. Um, and support this podcast uh, nine. The number nine sensepodcast.com. podcast dot com. Um, it's a friggin' awesome show. It really is. All of the contributors to this program hit a home run every single time, and it's so impressive to how you know. Again, and I, and I keep saying this whenever I discuss this how how Adam and the contributors to this program are really furthering what adam refers to as the greater satanic conversation i think it's fantastic that's going to do it for nine cents this week adam will be back in the uh, the big chair next week um... i know you've got a segment on next week's show you do one every week uh, check out the other fine contributors to this show uh... darren deaside aden adennaz uh... witch zaftig uh... jesse uh, for my dream of jesse um... erin uh, for down at the crossroads um... reverend Merciless's segment uh, the satanic tradition uh, oh, you're wearing this shirt. I can just read them off the back of here. Um, Between the Horns with uh, Warlock, uh, Michael Anthony Mandrake. Um, and, yeah, that's... Uh, I've read them all. Okay, good. That's all of them. Good. I didn't want to leave anybody out. All right, that's what we're going to do it for Nine Cents this week. I am Magister Harris. Goodbye, everybody. Hail safe.